Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Just Saying Sports with Jake and Sean. My name is Jake Sean Dwyer. Go ahead, people, my friend. How you doing, folks? We have a fun show for you today, as promised in our last episode. The All-Star break is this week with the Home Run Derby kicking off things on Monday. And we wanted to go to our midseason award show. So we have plenty of picks, plenty of talking to do uh, with M- AL and MVP, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, uh, even talk a little bit about who we think are the best teams in each division and who we think is going to make it where. So, uh, Sean, how excited are you about a lot of baseball? Oh, I'm very excited. You know, I love talking about baseball. I know we haven't had a chance to do too many farm system breakdowns recently or anything, but with the all-star break coming up, there's obviously a lot of stats to look over and a lot of guys who have impressed and, frankly, a lot of guys who have disappointed. So without further ado, we'll get started on into this. We're going to get started off with our division races before we get into our uh, midseason awards. So, Sean, just to start off with, in the AL East, uh, break it down. Tell us what the standings are, and we'll, we'll get into it from there. Well, you know, the AL East is kind of right now falling down to a two-team race between the Boston uh, Red Sox and the New York Yankees. Right now, the Boston leads New York by four and a half games going into the break. And honestly, it's a bit surprising with me, you know, all the hype that the Yankees were getting to begin the year. People thought, you know, they'd be have a very comfortable lead by the All-Star break, and it hasn't worked out for them this way. They don't really – they've been kind of inconsistent when it comes to their pitching, and the Red Sox have really been very, very good in terms of their batting. You know, Mookie Betts is an early season MVP candidate. He had a great start. He's kind of slowed down a little bit, mostly due to an injury. But who knows? Well, this race to me is wide open. The four-and-a-half games is not too much for the Yankees to go on a very good two-week run and find the division standing switched. So we'll see how this one shakes out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the Yankees still have a very, very fair shot of knocking Boston out of that top spot. But, you know, Boston really has a complete team over there with their pitching, their rotation, you know, even their bullpen. They have, like you said, Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez. They have hot bats. So it's going to be tough to catch them, but four and a half games really isn't anything in in the major leagues. No. Now, down in – yeah, yeah, down, down over, we'll move our way to the west from there um, and go into the central. So in the AL Central, uh, it's played out basically the way we talked about it, and who's going to be running away with this division come, say, another three weeks? Uh, I think Cleveland. It's hard to – you can't make really – it's really hard to make a case for any other team in this division. Uh, Minnesota, they're going to have to catch fire and – beat Cleveland, which is something that, you know, they've been hot and cold with over the past couple of years. I mean, they've beaten them a couple of times, swept them, but I don't think they can do it consistently through the end of the year while also beating everybody else. I don't think that they can do that. I think this is Cleveland's to really implode with. Yeah, I, we talked about this at the beginning of the year, and this is probably the only division that we have 100% correct, but uh, definitely is Cleveland's division, has been since the beginning. I believe uh, there's seven and a half games up on Minnesota right now, uh, up like 12 on Detroit, and they've been wrecking the AL Central team. So when it comes to head-to-heads, once again, Cleveland is definitely the top dog in the AL Central. I believe so, too. 
Now, going over to the AL West, what is the breakdown there? To me, it's still the Houston Astros. I mean, Seattle put up a good fight and was leading the division for a week or so. Oakland's really surprised me in terms of being third place over the Angels. But I still think the Houston Astros are the best team in baseball, and I think they'll win this division by at least 10 games by the end of the season. Yeah, we're going to be talking about a few players off of the Houston Astros when we get into our midseason award show. And they've definitely basically done exactly what we expected. They were the first team to 50 wins. They've showed out every step of the way. And I can't say that they look like they're better than they were last year, but I can say I believe that they definitely have just as good of a shot at another World Series as they did last year. I agree. Now, you know, the only thing I wanted to mention, too, is how far down uh, the Angels have fallen in this division. I know me and you thought that it was going to be uh, a bit tighter of a race between possibly the Angels and the, and the Astros, but it obviously hasn't shaken out like that. So my, we'll talk about this at another time, but my question is how much longer does Mike Trout deal with this? I think Mike Trout deals with his whole career. I don't think that L.A. is going to let go of arguably the best player of all time without a fight. Um, he's really one of those players that's untradeable because you can never get back a full value for him. You're not going to get a team's, you know, you're not going to get anything back from another team that equals Mike Trout. He is too valuable to the Los Angeles Angels, and they're going to have to wait for his contract to run out. Any other team that wants to make a run at him, um, I honestly haven't looked at when his contract runs out, but I know he just re-upped on the A deal. I don't know how long it was for. So we're at least within a two- or three-year window where this is going to be Mike Trout's life, the best player in the world on a mediocre ball club. Yeah, which is kind of disappointing, but that's kind of how the cookie crumbles sometimes. Now, we're going to move over into the National League, and we'll work our way from east to west like we did last time. Uh, In the National League East, there's definitely probably the closest race um, besides the NL West and the entire major leagues. you know, Philadelphia is leading the NL East, and Atlanta's only a half game back. Washington's five and a half, and really any one of those three teams at this point could take the division. Yeah, I do think so. I think that, you know, Washington, they Washington had a bad first half. I don't think that they come out and have a equally bad second half. The only question is they're going to have to rely on Philadelphia and Atlanta being young teams and dropping a whole lot of games that they shouldn't. And they put themselves in really a bad situation with how bad their first half was. And so we'll see. This is going to be a very interesting race to watch. But I still think, you know, come the end of the year, the Nationals will be on top. It's just, you know, Atlanta and Philadelphia, they're young teams. I don't think they can withhold the success. Yeah, and that's one of the things I wanted to bring up was, you know, we definitely both picked the Nationals to win this division at the beginning of the year. And for, for them, like I said, with the Yankees as well, five and a half games back really isn't that bad in the major leagues. Once you get to that seven and a half to 10 range is when you got to be start to getting scared. Cause that's a little bit of ground to make up. But if you're only sitting five and a half games back, that's one week of good baseball and a division rival has three games off and you're right back in the hunt. Exactly. Now going over to the NL central, uh, you know, the Cubs are leading there. Um, Milwaukee's really not too far off their heels. And then the rest of the pack is kind of down below that seven game mark. Uh, but do you think that the Cubbies are going to hold on? I mean, Milwaukee has looked decent throughout the year. Yeah, you know, 
Milwaukee has looked decent. Um, they've been a surprise team for me. They made a lot of moves coming into the season, you know, signing Lorenzo Kane, trading for Christian Yelich. Um, they've had a super reliever in Josh Hader. He's had an awesome year so far, and they've been better than I expected. But at the same time, I don't think they can withhold what they've done so far. I think they're another team that kind of crashes along the way, and that's just due to I think their pitching's going to run out. I mean, they've they were leading the division for a while, and they've kind of taken a couple of steps back, and I think that's a sign of things to come for them. I think that them and St. Louis end up fighting for the number two spot in that division at about six or seven games behind the Cubs. Yeah, and I mean, the Cubs are definitely the best team in that division. Just all around, they are the best team, so that's why I still see them coming out of the top. Now, our last division breakdown here at the middle of the season is the NL West. This is the most interesting race because the Dodgers and Arizona are tied atop the West and Colorado was only one and a half games back with San Francisco in fourth place at only three and a half games back. So definitely, you know, very, very interesting out there. Me and you talked about how bad the Dodgers started, you know, how good Colorado started and then how everybody kind of did a flip flop. The Dodgers got hot. Everybody else got cold and it's all evened out. So, who do you see coming out in that second half and kind of putting it together? Well, I'm going to just, you know, to me, I really don't know. This division is wide open as it gets to me outside of San Diego. Well, I need you to make a pick. I will go with the Colorado Rockies if I had to put my money on it right now. I'm going to stick with the team that I picked with to start the season. They're only a game and a half back. Um, I think they can pull it off, you know, a lineup with Arenado, Charlie Blackman playing in Coors Field where a couple good days can match about 10 homers and a big couple big wins. I think that they come out with the division. All righty. So we're going to take a quick break after our division breakdown. We will be back with some of our surprise teams, some of our, um, what we expected. And we'll also talk about the all-star week festivities and the home run derby before we get into our midseason awards. So we will be right back. So welcome back, and we're going to dive directly into some questions and see what we say. Uh, just to get started off with, Sean, I know we said we want to talk about some of the teams that have surprised this year. So out of leagues, who is your one team that you has done things that you never expected to this season? Well, to me, it's the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, I really did not expect them to be – this far into their rebuilding process of, well, the rebuild's not even really done yet. And they find themselves on top of the division at the all-star break this year. And that's just very surprising to me because, you know, they don't really have all-star pitching lineups. They have, you know, Reese Hoskins is a good aspect, good baseball player there in the middle of the lineup. And they have a lot of good pieces around them. You know, Mikel Franco is a great player. Uh, Cesar Hernandez is a great second baseman. Carlos Santana coming over from the Cleveland Indians. He's been stellar for them. I think they don't have enough to make it last a full season, but they have definitely surprised me the most out of any team in baseball. Yeah, and I mean, you know, just talking about, like, like you kind of said, the talent level, and, you know, I guess this isn't a surprise for most, but in our preseason award show, I picked the New York Yankees to, you know, win the AL, um, basically, fighting it out with the Astros, and have the Yankees win the and. The surprise team for me um, is actually Boston. 
they were able to really reload, refurbish, keep this entire pace up, and they're still out ahead of their rival Yankees. Kind of surprising me that they've been able to stick it out and keep playing such good baseball. But, I mean, it's not a surprise to anybody that Dave Dombrowski and those guys at the Red Sox have a good, have a good uh, you know, team to field. But it's, it's been more success than failure for a while now. And I, I really think that is, you know, a great thing for Boston. I do too. I know I did not expect Boston to be on top of the Yankees at this point. I expected, you know, the standings to kind of be a little flipped where Boston was within three games at the all-star break and the Yankees were on top, but you know, the Boston got off to a great start and they've just kept it rolling. Now on the flip side of your surprise teams, uh, another question I want to ask is just to see before with the Brewers, but who do you think is going to, you know, really take a dive after getting a little break for their arms? Oh, I'm going to stick with the Brewers. You know, I really don't think that they have what it takes to hold up over the full season. Their numbers are, they've been pretty decent so far, but when you look at it, their bottom half of the league and on base percentage, um, the earn run average and batting average against is really is in the top five in the league. And, you know, batting average against is a good indicator of how lucky they've been. And they're in the top five in baseball. And so I, you can't really expect that luck to run for a full season. So I think their pitching staff is going to come back down a little bit. And I think they're going to end up being a middle of the race team in the central. Yeah. One of those teams for me uh, is, you know, we were talking about that really crazy NL West out there. And I do not think that all three of those teams, at the top, or really all four, if you include San Francisco, um, will be able to keep up that level of play. And I, I either think it's going to – it's either – I know San Francisco is going to fall off. I don't think they'll be able to keep up with those three top teams anyways. But I really don't know if uh, Arizona is going to be able to keep the pace that they have. They've scored a lot of runs, had some pretty, pretty good pitching, but I, I don't have the exact stats in front of me. But I know that they're – I believe they're probably the worst in the NL West down there. And with the way that it's, it's worked out, I just see them being the one to kind of get beat up on in the second half. Yeah, I definitely agree. Now, yeah, go ahead. And then well, for me, you know, looking at the Diamondbacks also, they're, you know, out of 30 teams, they're 28th and team batting average um, batting 230 as a team. Uh, they're in the bottom half of on base percentage runs and home runs slugging percentage. And so they're, Another team that's also in the top 10 and batting average against, which is something that, you know, fluctuates a lot. So I think they are, like you said, primed for a less than stellar second half. Definitely. Now, with that, we are going to cut it into the home run derby. I know we have a little bit of a different field than what we've, we've seen in past years. Some of them not even so much as crazy power hitters, but – um, in case you aren't aware, uh, you know, it's a bracket style, and we'll just let you know who the matchups are. So on Monday, it'll be Jesus Aguilar, Reese Ho- Re- <laughs> Hoskins, Alex Bregman, Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncy, and Javier Baez. And, uh, you know, after they've gone to this uh, tournament format, I do like the style. But, you know, without so many power hitters, who do you think is going to be your – uh, home run derby champ. I'm going to go with uh, Reese Hoskins of the Philadelphia Phillies. I think it's just one of those things where in the home run derby, you start looking at 
less of average guys, more home run hitters, and it's been, been the past thinking. But now it's starting to get to guys that just make solid contact and it turns into batting practice. You know, they're major league players. Any one of those guys on a major league roster could participate in the home run derby, in my opinion. It's just batting practice. It's more of just people want to see big names. I think Reese Hoskins, this is a chance for him to become a household name that he deserves because he is a good baseball player. And I think that he takes the home run crown this year. Yeah, one of the people who I think has a little bit more power than the rest of these guys is uh, Kyle Schwarber. And, you know, with his whole uh, resurgence after his knee injury, and I think it would be a really cool thing for him to step in and be able to knock it out of the park, per se, with those puns. But uh, I'm, Kyle Schwarber is going to be my pick just because he does have a bit more power um, really all over the field than most of these guys. If you're going to do secondaries, of course, you got to look at Bryce Harper or uh, Freddie Freeman all, as well. But they go up against each other in the first round, so that'll be a very interesting first-round matchup for the home run. Yeah, they got the guy from the hometown Nationals, Bryce Harper, going up against probably a guy who's in the MVP hunt for the National League and Freddie Freeman. That'll be definitely must-see TV right there. I definitely agree. Now we're going to take one more quick break here before we get into our MLB midseason awards in which Sean and I will give you our picks for what we uh, feel for Rookie of the Year, MVP. Cy Young and our World Series champions. So we will be back in just a second. Thanks for sticking with us through our little interlude. We are going to give out some very prestigious awards. The first annual Just Saying Sports mid all awards. You know, to start off with, Sean, we'll do a first half MVP first half rookie of the year, first half team pick, and then we will look ahead and make our decision We're going to end the year with those trophies. So to get started off with, we'll start at the top of the list with the rookie of the year. So in the American League, Sean, uh, let the people know who you think was the first half uh, rookie of the year. Uh, so far for my pick for the American League rookie of the year through the first half, I'm going to have to go with Glaber Torres um, from the New York Yankees. I think that he has had, since getting called up, he has been on fire. You know, he's had a very good first half as a batting in a lineup where he's hitting more down in the lineup just because of the guys that are around him. But you look at it, he's hitting 294, so at 300 for a rookie through 200 at-bats, it's not, it's very good. You know, with 15 home runs is also good. 17 walks, 61 strikeouts, it's a bit lopsided towards strikeouts, but, you know, he's a rookie, and those kind of things aren't as glared at anymore. Glared at anymore. So I think Gleyber Torres is the first half rookie of the year in the American League. All righty, then who do you think is going to end up with it by the end of the year? I think he sticks with it. I think that stuff really hasn't – I think he's on the DL. He's on the DL right now. I know that. But I think when he comes back, he'll slide right back into that spot, you know, second base, shortstop spot for the Yankees, and I think he'll have a very good rest of the season. I'm buying into Glaber Torres right now. And, you know, the Yankees have a, another guy uh, that really do, does impress as well and at their third base position with uh, – I, I think his name, I think his first name is Miguel. Uh, Miguel Andujar. Andujar. That's his, yeah, Miguel Andujar. 
he's impressed a lot too. And it's crazy to have two of those rookies on the Yankees, but we talked about that young core of players at the beginning of the year. And that's one of the reasons why I picked that to be my World Series champion. Push around, but that, you know, that infield of those two. Miguel's defense is, or the thing about Miguel is that I don't think his defense is as good as Glaber Torres, and I think that's going to set him apart as well. The numbers aren't as good, but when you look at them on the field, they're both very, very worthy. Um, my my first, you know, my first half pick, you know, I would love to say like Otani, but you know, injuries have just done too much for him, too much against him, and you know, I'm going to stick with you on that, and I'm going to agree that you know, ends up being the AL Rookie of the Year. Just because his his best competition is his teammate, each other. That's what I agree. So going into the NL Rookie of the Year, who did you have, and uh, who do you have now? Well, to start the year, I had Nick Senzel from Cincinnati, third baseman, second baseman. Uh, his injuries have just ruined his season. He's now done for the year. He was battling. Uh, bouts of vertigo to begin the season that kept him on and off the field. And then he fractured his finger and they've shut him down for the year. And so he's really not going to, he didn't make his debut for Cincinnati this year and he probably will sometime next year. So no rookie of the year for him. Um, Then I switched it up after that to Ozzie Albies of the Atlanta Braves hitting 282, 20 home runs, got a 319 on base percentage. He's stroking the ball early. He kind of fell back down to earth a little bit in May, June, and he kind of picked it up more towards the end of June, early July, and he's going into the break pretty strong right now. And, yeah, my my. Oh well, continue, continue. And then just you know, give it just to finish up on that thought. Who I think what win the award at the end of the year? I think it's going to come down to Ozzy Albies and Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals. Soto came up a little late to get any. Uh, get the recognition for the first half rookie of the year, but he's been put on a show, you know, since coming up for the Nationals straight from single A. And I think he can give Albies a run for the end of the year award. Yeah. And, you know, you took the words out of my mouth with that one, Sean. Soto is actually pick for the end of the year award. Um, you know, just over the last about three weeks, he's really shot to the top. Since you said, you know, after coming up a little bit late, He's only 19 years old, uh, and he's he's showing out, and I love it. We've seen a, we've seen a trend of young athletes influx into professional sports recently, and I think that he's one of those guys who's going to be around for quite some time, making waves. I, I don't see him making a regression back, you know, going back down at all. He'll be up. I think he'll be able to show out the rest of the season. I agree. Uh, I guess Cy Young, and then we'll go to MVP. Cy Young, uh, who, who do who you got now? Well, for me, the AL Cy Young was Chris Sale to start the year. And then not to say that Chris Sale hasn't had a great year so far, but I've switched it up to Luis Severino of the Yankees just because Severino has been sensational so far, you know, he's killed it with the Yankees so far this year. And I think that he has set himself up nice to where he's going to continue that trend. And I think he'll end up winning the Cy Young in the American League. Now, uh, American League Cy Young, 
I know we both talked about it, but you know, up until just Justin Verlander has had an incredible year. And I actually think you know, I think I might give him my first half uh, Cy Young award. But, you know, I think Chris Dale still might turn this all the way around and be able to turn in the fantastic season that he still has the opportunity to. Um, I'm going to stick with the, the pick of Chris Dale uh, through the end. But, you know, my first half would definitely be Justin Verlander. And for the rest of the year, it should be Chris Dale. Now, for the NL Cy Young, I think we don't we can kind of keep this one short and sweet. Uh, we both picked Max Scherzer at the beginning of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And I'm pretty sure that me and you both know that Max Scherzer should win the NL Cy Young for the first half award and for the rest of the year. Is that correct? Yeah, no argument here. The dude's dominant. Okay, He's think. Max Scherzer. Yeah, and that, that man is – that man is – we've talked about it before. That man is just an absolute monster. It's ridiculous. I wouldn't want to stand – I would not want to stand six feet six inches from that man. Nope. Ever. Nope. Ever. Nope. Make you look like a fool. Mm-hmm. Now we have one more award to go over, and that is, of course, the big old MVP award. So the most valuable player out in the AL, if I'm not mistaken, you chose Carlos Correa to begin with, right, Sean? I did. So what do you think now? Who had? I mean, who, I, I think we know who took. The AL MVP for the first half of the season, uh, but go ahead and tell the people what you think. Um, Mike Trout. It's hard to for to make an argument for anybody else. You know, Mookie Betts maybe had an argument early. Uh, he got an injury and kind of fell off. Uh, it's hard to argue against anything Mike Trout does. You know, I've never really been a super Mike Trout fan just because you know he's out there on the West Coast. Don't really get to watch a lot of them. But it's hard to argue with what he's done so far this year. It's it's really, really hard to make an argument against Mike Trout. I, I mean, statistically, he's already putting up another one of the best seasons in baseball history. He went through uh, about 10 or 12 game span where he was hitting like 700. He, he went like there was a span where he went 29 for 36. It was outrageous. He, the things that Mike Trout does on the baseball field, aren't done by anybody else in the, in baseball. And it's one of those things that you see, you see a skill set, you see what he does for the angels. Cause I mean, he actually does win the angels games um, even from his outfield position. And they, uh, they definitely have a special one in uh, the little fit, the little Brown trout that runs through the river. Of course. Now for the NL MVP, that might be, um, a little bit different story. So what, what I know that you are still pretty dead set on your man, so tell the people your choice. Nolan Arenado will win the NL MVP. I am 100% bought in. Uh, Freddie Freeman's having a great year. He's the only guy in my mind that could probably take it away from him. Freddie Freeman right now is pretty deserving, but I think after a full season, Arenado is going to come out on top. And I know uh, you, you've kind of been all up on Nolan the whole year. But like you said, we spoke about before, Freddie has definitely been close. But another guy who we talked about in the uh, home run derby and is just as of late, even in the last week or so, just tearing up, tearing everything up is Javi Baez. And I think he does have a shot at the NL MVP. I will, I will say that Arenado is going to be my first half. But I think that Javi Baez, especially with the fanfare that has surrounded him recently, 
uh, he might get that little nod, especially when it comes to the voting at the end of the year. Yeah, I think he could steal some votes, but when you dive into the numbers, you know, Nolan Arenado's got a better batting average, a better on-base percentage, a better slugging, a better OPS. Um, I think I do believe he's hit more home runs. He has more, He's trailing in RBIs, but at the end of the day, that could flip real fast. So I still dead pretty dead set on Nolan Arenado. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it really it really makes a difference as to see how much energy these teams and these players come out into the second half of the season with. Now, just one more note at the end of this. We want to make our middle-of-the-season World Series predictions. And, Sean, I know uh, I I think I I might be sticking with my guys, but what about you? Um, I'm going to stick with what I started the year at with the Chicago Cubs and the Houston Astros in the World Series. I am going to take the Houston Astros back-to-back in six games. And for me, I'm still going to bring my out of the the highly contested American League. Um, I think they might be able to get over that Boston hump. They will start to pick up that uh, pace at Yankee Stadium. And, you know, coming into October, uh, it really depends on your rotation and what, what you're able to put on the field. And I think they have a solid enough one to be able to let their bats do the work. I uh, will definitely see. Now, uh, with all that being said, you know, plenty of baseball still to play. There's only God knows what can happen the rest of the season with injury and all that other good stuff that keeps, keeps the game rolling and changing. But, you know, these are our picks, and I hope you guys – um, don't put too much stock into them because we're always wrong, but it's always a lot of fun to talk about it. Of course. Now, um, as always, I want to, or we would like to say thank you to our listeners. Uh, thank you for coming back week after week. And especially now we've made it through one whole half of a baseball season. It feels like it's started to become real. So please, as always, like, share, subscribe. Um, favorite, whatever you got to do on whatever streaming platform you prefer. We are available on just about everything you can find a podcast on with Spotify, Google, Apple, uh, CastBox, all these good, uh, good apps. So make sure you go on over to our page and you'll be able to find a link to each one of those apps. But without further ado, I would like to say my name is Jake Atnip. I'm Sean DeWire. Thank you for listening to Just Saying Sports and we'll see you again next week.